Welcome to the Immerse Podcast, where we look at God's Word to see why it matters for us today. Welcome back to the Immerse Podcast. My name is Keith, and I'm joined by James, and we are working through the book of Revelation. Uh, and today we've got an exciting podcast. I guess not exciting in that it's fun to talk about, but it's exciting in that it's God's Word, and it's what um, Jesus wants us to look at, and so we're we're going to work through it today. James, how's it going? Good. I'm just looking at the picture that you sent oh. <laughs> to my wife of me yeah. with my microphone and cushion and James, Bible. James has a great setup today with a cushion with a microphone on top of it, probably for the best sound quality possible. Hands-free. Hands-free. I think the kids call it. Yeah, and so uh, James has this great setup, and I've just sent his wife this great picture of him holding his iPad with this uh, microphone propped up, as well as his Bible. Oh, so you've got... I didn't get the Bible in the picture. Uh, Did you? It's there. Anyway, yeah, it's there, for sure. i got to do another picture. Here we go. Click. (laughs) 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 I think we should start on Instagram, because people would love to see our very particular setup of... Yeah. We've probably got the most odd podcast set up there is. Okay. So James, if you want to kick us off today, last week we talked about the first writer, the first seven seals that was uh, broken up. And just to kind of review from last time, we talked about that that is not Christ. Mm. If a you demonic just dictator. kind of continue reading in this scripture, you'll find that that is not Christ, but a demonic dictator that some call the Antichrist. And if you go back, it can't be him because he can't open the scroll. And, and be riding then a horse. be riding a horse right. at the same time. It's just not good it's, literary. It doesn't really make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. He's going to carry on popping up in these scrolls right. whilst riding horses and whatnot. Right. So, James, if you could read Revelation 6, 3 through 11, and then we can talk about these seals today. Sure. Okay. So, Revelation 6, verse 3 says, When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe until to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Wow, that is probably one of the longest texts of scripture that we've read on the podcast. Yeah, probably. But there's a lot of details going here and a lot of stuff to talk about today. Mm. Um, But I think it's good for us, James, to start off by saying that these are events that we're starting here uh, in this podcast series where we are planted right at the beginning of the the tribulation. Mm, Yeah, like 
future future, not just future from when John wrote them, but right. uh, what I mean, like still, still in the future. Right. So we would understand from reading the scripture, and we kind of alluded to this last week with throwing out a theological term, but we're talking about the time period in the world that's really referenced a lot by Jesus in Matthew 24, when the church has been taken out of the world. So the Bible teaches that the church is going to be caught up. So those who believe in Christ right now, at any moment, eminently, can be taken out of the world. Um, that's mm. the rapture, yep. to go be with Jesus. And yeah, then, literally to be caught up with him. That's the script. That's what yep. it says, right? Caught yeah, up. Yeah. So, so then after that happens, we're immediately going to begin a time period in history that Daniel has a prophecy about, doesn't know the details, but does give a lot of specifics about this week or these seven years that is called the Great Tribulation. And mm. as we see here in this text, Jesus opens seals that are pretty heavy duty. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's going to be happening in the world. And it's good for us as believers to read this and understand what's going to happen just because by knowing what's going to happen, we know to have compassion for the people that don't know Jesus to tell them, hey, man, this is a good time to trust Jesus today. There's never a better time with these events coming towards us. Yeah, I think we'd, we've either said that before or I've written about that before that, you know, reading this stuff, on the one hand, you take a great comfort from it as a believer that you're not going to live through this stuff. But then on the other side of that coin, it should motivate you to want to share this with people and share the faith that you've got in Jesus with other people so that they don't live through it. And I can't remember, it was some old bearded, possibly Puritan person, preacher man, who said that there's nobody more selfish than the guy who's willing to go to heaven alone. Right. In that you read this stuff and you think, wow, I'm so, I'm so glad that that's not, not me. Right. But then if it ends there, if, it's, if that's where your interaction with it you know, starts and ends like, whoo, I'm glad that's not me. Right. That's quite selfish, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Like you, you know, just leaving people to this is, yeah, not great. Not well, nice. James, before we look at the seals, I do want to say I've recently seen this movie. Is it 1917? Is that the name of the movie? The First World the War film? thing. Yeah, about the First World War. It's, it's from a British perspective. So Sorry, you can't know. see that one apart. I just nodded in a very, very smug kind of like British way. Like, yes, that's probably a good thing then. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The thing about it is, is that in both of the world wars, and I know that the wars that have happened since then, the people that are in those areas of the world are literally running for cover. I was in London one time, and was it World War II where people hid in the tube? Do you know about yes. that? Yes. So I don't know if you've ever been to London that you're listening to this podcast, but when you go underground to ride in the tube, the, the metro system in London, you go quite deep under the earth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's levels and levels and levels and levels, mm -hmm. and levels, especially at the cross stations where there's a lot of different trains. So just yeah, imagine. That's where the phrase mind the gap comes from when you get on the train. You know, they always say mind the gap. Yeah. What does that mean? That's where that comes from. Because when it was originally opened, the different tube lines were operated by different companies and they all had different sized trains and carriages and whatnot running in the oh, tube so when they I think when they brought it all together as one big thing they had different trains running on different tracks so there was a gap between the platform and the train if you've got a train that used to be on some other track and it was a bit smaller 
now running on the big track, there's a gap between the platform and the train. So I that's see. historically where this thing, mind the gap, comes from. Wow, that is really cool. Yeah, it's useless, but yeah. That was a great tidbit of information. <laughs> I've heard that, and I, you know, as an American, we hear mind the gap, and that's not a phrase that we would say. Because so. nowadays, there's no gap between train and platform, because right. it's also But they still seamless. say it. Yeah. Uh, mind the gap. You have not been to London in about nearly 10 years. Wow. Just got I was there a few yeah. years ago, and they said mind the gap. Oh, so. well, there we go, then. <laughs> I don't know if they say it today, but yeah, when know. I was there last. Anyway, yeah. But James, just to think about the terror, and I, I've seen documentaries and films and all kinds of stuff on the world wars, the terror that are in people's hearts mm. because of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if you scale that to the creator of the universe, unleashing this terror on the world, it's not a good time. It's not a good time to be around. So I just wanted to throw That's that out terrible, there yeah. in comparison Imagine yourself, you, you, there, there's talk about wars all the time and, and politics, and you, you hear all these different viewpoints talking about the horrors of war, and it is a horrible thing. But man, just imagine the God of the universe unleashing these horrible things. It's not a good time to be around. No, I think uh, when you were saying that, it reminded me that the, the second half of verse 4 so out comes this, uh, the second horseman of the apocalypse is the kind of colloquially, co casually known. Let's go with that. Uh, out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted. So God is still in control. Like these, are, these horsemen, as terrible as they might be, are still uh, actioning the will of God. So it, its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people kill each other so all that's needed is all that's needed for the world to break out in wars and whatnot is to take peace from them and when you said about just the feeling of you know having to hide underground because the city's been bombed and the terror there's just no there's no peace there is there and i think you look at the what does this red rider do it takes peace and then people start to just fight Oh, you know, he takes peace. People start to fight, and he was given a sword. You can kind of assume that he's probably using that sword, but it doesn't say explicitly. But people start slaying one another just because there's a lack of peace. Just and it's interesting, James, when you say that, because we've got the United Nations, this great organization that is supposed to bring about peace around the world. There's a lot of peacekeeping forces around mm. the world that keep two sides from killing each other. And all the way back at the fall in the garden, when sin was brought into the world, along with sin as a package deal, came this thing called war and came this thing where people want to kill each other. Mm. And just imagine that all of us are made in the image of Christ, no matter what our nationality or race or whatever, we should live in peace. I mean, it just mm. seems right for me to think that. However, just a natural part of that package of sin is war. Mm. And all it takes is Christ lifting his finger You're off for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. You're and not then, adding anything to the mix. You're just taking some stuff away. So I've always been told and taught that as a concept in the Bible, peace is, is more than the absence of, of conflict. or It's more than, you know, sitting on the dock of the bay watching the time. Tides roll away. Roll away. Ah, ah. You know what we I mean. both know the song. Yeah. I'm not going to sing. But peace is more than you know watching a lovely sunset, 
right and putting it on instagram and whatnot peace is the idea that of, of completeness of everything being as it should be and right. having everything that you should have and we read about it in job chapter five when he talks about he, like, he's got all his sheep and all his tents and all his family like he's that's his peace when he's got everything that he should have so like you said when this guy the rider uh, he was allowed or the rider was permitted to take peace as soon as you take something away their peace is not complete their lives are not complete you take something away and then like you said you slip back into you know war and killing each other and like the natural sinful instinct of man yeah, yeah. And you know, it's easy for people to sit in a church or listen to this podcast and say, oh, yeah, I would never go to war if I was a major leader. Well, most of us can't even keep peace in our own home. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a disagreement with our spouse or our friend. And even though we might not be physically fighting, mentally, we've got the same core issue there, which is sin and pride, mm-hmm. that we don't want to give in and like be selfless at that moment we're very selfish and we want our way and that's mm. really the root of what takes people all the way to killing each other yeah, a country their, wants their, their way. way yeah the ego well james i wish i had a little bell to ring because um there's a lot of times when scripture verifies scripture and i said that a lot on this mm. podcast and i really love it jesus gives a sermon in matthew 24 and there's a lot of relation to what's going on here so in matthew 24 6 Jesus says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Make sure that you are not alarmed for this must happen, but the end is still to come. So Mm. I would see this personally, when you talk about the red horse, that's what immediately came to my mind. And I I wanted to mention that as a reference point to what, what Christ was talking about. And Christ was, as he's obviously, you know, here, the center point of revelation Back then, before he was crucified, uh, before the end happened in in that scene, he was talking about this. And so a lot of of reaffirmation from one book to another in Mm. the Bible. So we would say the first uh, horse, the red horse, represents blood and war. Mm -hmm. So the red being the color of blood, right? Is that what you would say that? Yeah, I don't know. I'd not really thought about the color of it. I'm not not really sure why. It's different, different color, but... I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the second seal, as we move on, um, I, I read that it represents scales. Uh, men are drafted for, for famine ensues. So you've talked, you've got the denarius thing. This is the, the third seal. Yeah. Third seal, black horse comes out with scales in his hand. And apparently these prices are 12 times higher what would normally be paid. And now most people can't afford stuff if it just, you know, when... <laughs> 12 times the price would they like a loaf of bread where we live costs about 700 fills so so a couple of dollars is, like a dollar 50 or something and it's like going to the supermarket and they're being asked to pay 10 dollars for a loaf of bread and it, but then everything else being 12 times the price people just couldn't live could they so we read this and it sounds oh yeah that could never happen well literally i remember seeing a news report several years ago during this war in iraq where uh, a thing of eggs that was normally a couple of dollars u.s turned out to be like 20 dollars u.s and then there was a relation to a lot of ladies being sold into prostitution to pay for food for their family to eat so this is the reality of what happened in Iraq just several years ago. 
So can you imagine at a lot larger scale when countries are going against countries and there's this massive war thing taking place, the basic necessities of life for people that are not involved in the conflict are going to suffer immensely with great famine. Mm. And so that's, that's this third horse, um, third seal, I should say the third rider, as you would say, uh, being unleashed. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, Jesus says again in Matthew 24 and verse 7, nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Yeah, I think Jesus did a pretty good job, didn't he, of describing what we're reading about yeah. right now. But yeah. And so, James, I feel like people that are listening to the podcast, if they're thinking, yeah, you know, I, I want to get my life straight out with Christ, but I just, I want to pursue these other things in my life first, or I want to do this, or I want to do this. I think you mentioned about the the timeline of prophetic events, the rapture being the next thing. You, you mentioned mm. that before we started the podcast. Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. And so there's never a better time, to, if you are a believer in Jesus, to get your life right and serve him in your local church and, and, and what you're doing, like just give your gifts to God and let him use you instead of being mm. this selfish guy that doesn't want to step out and get involved. Mm. Or if you don't believe in Jesus, man, there's never a better time to believe in Jesus mm. and trust him as your savior than right now. Cause things will be so much harder. Won't they? When, I mean, can you imagine Jesus raptures the church and there's all these people in your life that have been professing Christians have just disappeared kind of yeah. instantly. For some, I would guess it will bring them to faith. If they're connected, if they have been connected to a person that was raptured, you know, if we indulge this bit of thinking, all the Christians in your life disappear. That makes you think, wow, all the stuff they talked about was real. It's gonna, I'm going to also put hope faith, trust, because they talked about the fact that when Jesus comes again, think how much harder it's going to be for those people living on the earth in that time to keep up a faith. Because all the Christians, you know, the, the influence of the Holy Spirit is removed, which kind of allows the other stuff in, you know, like the world, the flesh, the devil. I can't remember, what we, we get somewhere, don't we? In, is, it one of the, is it one of the Thessalonians? Where, a bit of a tangent now, but when the church is raptured, the influence of the Holy Spirit disappears, like is, right. is, is not disappears, is, is goes Because with. the helper that Jesus talked about, and I believe it was the Gospel of John, the parakletos, mm. the Greek term, the helper, the Holy Spirit is taken out of the world, and it's, it's a totally different ballgame. I mean, the church is gone. So, you know, the church is not a building. The church are the people. So if the bride of Christ is taken out of the world, what a different place the world will be without the bride of Christ. Just, that's a massive concept, James, just to imagine for a moment. Yeah, I can't. All the churches and all the, the good that the church does in the world at large, all the denominations and the various flavors of church, that's taken out of the world, boom. Totally different place. So yeah, the church, the church goes, the, all the good that the church does on the earth now goes, but also the influence of the Holy Spirit over creation. We're reading 2 Thessalonians 2. Uh, let's pick it up, maybe verse... Uh, well, verses 1 through 4 talk about this coming... Um, the, the times that we're talking about in Revelation. And then in verse 5, 
Paul writes, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, him being Antichrist. You know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So that we've talked about the spirit of the Antichrist is present among many, many people. Small a, big a Antichrist comes. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. So again, verse 7, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So church is raptured. He who is restraining, being the Holy Spirit, work at work in creation now. He also is not, not raptured because he's part of the Godhead. Right. Goes with, is with his people, the church of Jesus then the, the influence and the capital A Antichrist comes. How much harder, anyway, all that to say, how much harder is it going to be for the people who've seen the believers in their life raptured and thought, wow, I need to live with faith and hope and trust in Jesus because they said that he's going to come back. So I'm, I'm, I'm now here on the earth living my life. Church has been raptured. The influence of the Holy Spirit has been raptured. How much harder is it going to be to live your, your, your Christian life, your believing in Jesus' life after the rapture. Absolutely. So then all that to say, I agree with what you said, that you know, if there's people in your life that don't believe or don't yet believe, then, like you said, now is the time. Because once this like rapture happens, and how much harder is it going to be yes. to live this life because of all the stuff that we just talked about? Well, if you think about like the uh, in our church, James, the groups that we have that meet midweek, and you can imagine the people that have been invited to those, they're like, yeah, I'll come next time, I'll come next time, I'll come next time. Or you've been invited mm. to church, and you're like, yeah, I'll come next time. I, You know, this week I'm busy, I'll come. And you keep putting it off, and you put it off, and you put it off. Well, imagine if suddenly that church wasn't there, and now you want to follow Jesus. How much more difficult is that going to be? I mean, just very practically speaking, suddenly there's no churches mm. in the entire world. And you don't want to be a part of that world system. You want to be a part of Jesus mm. and what he has to represent. That's going to be a tough time. So yeah, now yeah. is the time. That's what I mean, yeah. 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 All that, all, 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 all of that to say, then like, yeah, now is, now is the time because it'll be so, the longer you leave it, it'll be so much harder. And not to not to get on a, a epistles jump here and go straight into Ephesians and Galatians, but what a greater joy you have in your life every day when you've got Jesus mm. solving your problems and not yourself. Because I don't know about you, James, but I always mess things up. Oh yeah, it's it's much better when Jesus is in control because my control is not the same. Absolutely. Well, James, moving on, we've got the fourth seal, which is the pale horse. Yeah, white horse, red horse, black horse, pale horse. Death. Death, and Hades followed him. And again, they were given authority. So they're not doing this on their own authority. They're still... Just like in the book of Job. Yep. Where God allows it to happen. Yeah. So still, when these bad things are happening in the world, it could be very easy for people to say there's no God. Mm-hmm. But God's still in control, just like he was in the life of Job. And Job rightly confessed. We get the the term patience of Job, but we get that term from Job saying, yeah, 
even though I don't have anything today, I'm still blessing the Lord. Tomorrow I have things, I'm still blessing the Lord. So no matter which way it's happening, I'm blessing the Lord. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that uh, death's the fourth horse, isn't he? And he comes after this dictator, he comes after war, he comes after famine. And now is when this death toll, so to speak, is, uh, is coming. So there's a, I'd read fairly recently that the world population is about 7.2 billion people. Now here comes death on his horse and they were given authority, they being death and Hades. Uh, Hades, not the, the guy from Hercules. I think um, Hades here, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is kind of the personalizing or anthropomorphizing of the place oh. of where you go when you're deaf. When what you're a dead. term. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, let's talk about the place of the dead as if it's a place. Right. Sorry, as if it's a person. So like, here comes death, the act. Here comes Hades, the place. But you, you die and you go. Anyway. They were given over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. So a fourth of 7.2 billion is 1.8 billion people, which is just a staggering amount of people. And you know, James, again, to relate it to a common thing, you, you know, in the past so many years, 15 years, we've had the Ebola virus scare We've had the, uh, what was the one that was transmitted in the Middle East by camels and stuff? SARS. SARS, yeah. Then we've got the uh, coronavirus in mm. China. And massive amounts of people are hospitalized like instantly, overnight. Mm. So can you imagine the possibility that a lot of people could die? Apparently more people die of the common cold and flu every yeah. year than these like media massive publicized things. But we're so, we're so feeble as humans is my point. But yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. That we're just so feeble and we... Somehow yeah. in our mind think that we're in control mm -hmm. and we're so not in control. It just takes yeah. one simple car crash or a virus or a common cold mm. and boom, suddenly we're not in control like we thought. Yeah. We never were in the first place. And again, we, you know, we talked about Jesus did a good job of talking about this. And in Matthew 24, he talks about uh, this time like this, tribulation like this, a quarter of the earth's population dead. Uh, there's not been a time like this from the beginning of the world until now. No, and there never will be. Wow. So Jesus is just laying it all out. Wow. In Matthew 24, he talked about the first couple of horses and seals and whatnot, and then now he's talking about, look, there's never going to be a time like this. And you can think about that being the Great Tribulation, being like this period of unrest and, and whatnot, but specifically here, that's like 1.8 billion people. It's quite easy to put that together with there's never been a time like this where 1.8 billion people all die. Yeah. About the same time. That's it's crazy. Mad. It's nearly twice the population. It's like India and China. Yeah. Like that's a almost combined. Yeah. Yeah. Mad. Well, James, mad, as, mad. as we move on to the final seal today, the fifth seal, um, this is something that I know that you have written about, and I'm interested to hear your comments about it. Um, do you? But when the church is taken out of the world through the rapture, the gospel of the kingdom that was happening, you know, resumes. As we, we looked in the, uh, the the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom and, and the time of Jesus through the gospel, um, and then suddenly, like, in the history timeline, there was like, boom, suddenly there's the church, and there's the Holy Spirit given in Acts 2, and then you've got the history of the church in Acts 2. 
And then we're living in that time period right now. Mm -hmm. Well, when the church and you described the Holy Spirit with it goes out of the world and there's no influence, Mm -hmm. it seems like the gospel of the kingdom will resume uh, as, you know, God begins to gather his chosen people back to the land that was promised to Abraham. So Matthew 24, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. So this is again another reaffirmation from Christ in Matthew 24:14. Uh, sorry, I should have said that Matthew 24:14. And I know that this is a difficult time because during this time there's going to be martyrs, right? I mean, uh, under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the witness they had borne. And you just mentioned a few minutes ago, James, how difficult it is to follow Christ during that time period. I and mean, so yeah, you can't imagine like it's difficult now to live a Christian life. You know, we're not complaining and whatnot but you know jesus talks about just as they've persecuted me then they'll do so to you and take up your cross and you know all those things that talk about the fact that all those verses about trials are going to come and we need you know that are good because they strengthen your faith and and living the christian life now is difficult but without the influence of the church and the believers and the holy spirit present in the world what a strange time what a strange time that will be i never really paused and thought about that church goes Believers go, influence the Holy Spirit, restraining the Antichrist goes. What a strange and difficult place it will be to live. And James, just to relate it to what you talk about regularly at church, you talk about what we do on the weekly when we meet together as a church corporately. It's the the secret sauce, the thing that we love is to get together and and we love to meet together and we love to fellowship and you encourage people, hey, it doesn't have to be limited to this day. This is not the cherry on top of the cake. You know, like (laughs) this is not the only time we can do it during the week. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine if suddenly there is no weekly Bible studies, there's no involvement with other believers, there's Mm. no even just fellowship. I mean, my wife and I have been able to uh, have dinner and lunch with several different people in the church throughout the last weeks. And mm. we love to get together yeah, and meet yeah. new people. It's fun to yeah, fellowship I mean, with believers and talk about yeah. what Christ did in their life. You'd like to think that those not raptured who have then come to faith through seeing the rapture, you'd like to think that they will seek each other out. Yes, you but would. But again, like how difficult and how tough to be here without the hand of the Holy Spirit, so to speak, restraining all the nonsense and the antichristness. And, but you'd like to think they'll seek each so other So those out. people that are yeah. martyred described there on the fifth seal, James, you wrote about that. Uh, just take it back yeah. on, the, on the blog post. And you kind of related it, some lessons for us to learn as believers today. Yeah, so souls of those who've been killed for being a Christian who've who've had their lives taken for their testimony and their witness. And the fact that they're under the altar goes back to uh, Leviticus chapter 4, where remaining blood not used to sprinkle and, you know, Leviticus things not used would be poured at the base of the altar offered to God so as not to be wasted and whatnot. And here, these souls are the people who've, who've poured out their own blood as an offering, so to speak, because they've been martyred for their faith in particular. Uh, and then we see that they 
cry out, we would see in verse 10, don't we? They cry out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And normally you don't really think of this as being a particularly Christian thing, do you? Like how, you know, crying out to God for him to smite somebody. You think of like, you know, forgive as you've been forgiven and, uh, you know, turn the other cheek and whatnot. And here there's this group of people, how long before you smite somebody because they kill, how long before you kill somebody and avenge my death, which is very popular at the moment with the Avengers and whatnot, you know, like coming to right the wrongs by killing other people. And it doesn't sound like a very Christian thing, but yeah, I'd read about it and written about it that rather they're crying out to God and asking him, you know, when are you going to put your promises into action? Because he's already promised that things will get better and wrongs will be righted and tears will be wiped. So rather than saying, avenge me, go and kill that guy. Hmm. That sounds really different to when are you going to put your promises into action? When right. is when is your will going to come to fruition? Right. Holy and sovereign God, not, you know, let's call down lightning from heaven through the hammer of Thor and smite that guy. Right. Because he, he wronged me. So you need to go and wrong him back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I read that... Um, in verse 11, we see that uh, then they, these souls of the martyrs, were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves have been. Now, interestingly, the, wor the words that we read, the number of, they were added by translators, hmm. meaning that John possibly meant that you know you should wait until other people's character hmm. reaches the level that you were at when you were martyred so rest a little longer until your fellow servants and brothers should be complete reads like you know we're going to wait until people have the, their character is kind of where we need it to be rather than right. we're going to wait until the number of people have been killed because that right. sounds like a mathematical yeah. thing and that doesn't really jive with what you understand about God and the process sure. of progressive sanctification. Right. We're all on that walk, but when a certain number of people have been killed, now you know it's go time. Yeah, that doesn't you know, like Last martyr's been killed. Right, boom. Like, boom, yeah, we're on, <laughs> quick. You know, like Avengers Assemble. Yeah. The eight millionth person's been killed kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it's having that character of a martyr. We're all called to put to death our former ways. We talked about baptism because we're going to do baptisms at church in a couple of weeks. Right. Die to yourself, live to Christ, and be become a martyr. It's just, it's, I think, I think you can, you're more of a Greek scholar than me. No, I wish. I'm more of a, like, dip my toe into it to, to uh, help preaching and teaching purposes. But martyr, I think, just speaks of the life that you live and the witness that you give. Right. Oh, that rhymes. The life that you live and the witness you give. I like that. It speaks that rather than the particular act of laying down your life to be martyred, living the life of a martyr is just living out your witness and living out your life. So the application for you... And that's me, that's kind of, James, That's that's had been slain for the word of God and the witness they had borne. Exactly, yeah, bearing that yeah. witness. It's exactly the same for you, for me. So it kind of spells it out what you're saying. Yeah, the character is living with the character of a martyr, not some sad sack 
who's claiming persecution for everything, right. being a bit miserable, you know, almost inviting death because that'll be give me a reason to be a martyr. Right. Don't you know, you know bringing it on yourself in a kind of a negative way, but it's living out that witness. That, like you just said, um, where have you picked that out from? Uh, that's just uh, verse 9. Ah, yeah, exactly. Uh, for the witness they'd born. Being slain for the word of God and for the witness that the boss is living out that life as the, uh, with the character of a martyr, not specifically going out to get yourself killed so you can add to the numerical number. Right. It's about your witness for Jesus. Yeah. It's about your life witness. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard it said that character is what you are in the dark or yeah, your life no yeah yeah that's that's really what it's about it's it's about what are you doing when no one's watching what are you doing when when it could be easy to get away with something what what are you doing at that time are you really you know living and causing your witness to be for Christ because really mm. if Jesus is watching at all times then it's a, it's about what you're doing with that. It's not about what you're doing when it's conveniently easy to do it at on church day every week or you know in front of a group of people that are fellow believers. What what are you doing about your witness? How are you living every day? Yeah, yeah. In, in general, what's your um, yeah? In general, what's your life like? Yeah. Well, James, this was a very heavy topic to talk about today. I enjoy talking about this. And I, and I think that there is a lot more to come. We've got a lot more to dig into. We've got several seals left, and then we're going to move into a lot more discussion on the tribulation. The tribulation is discussed all the way to chapter 19. So I believe we've got quite a few podcasts. So we'll be to with this about. for a while, a little while. We'll be talking about suffering for a while, but I do want to remind the people listening to the podcast, if you've heard something that sparks your interest, we would love it if you would share that with your friends and leave us a comment, a, a positive comment, a positive rating helps us mm-hmm. reach others as this podcast becomes more prolific, heard. Oof. What's the term? prolific we should be prolific podcasters yeah prolific we should get t-shirts made (laughs) prolific podcasters yeah maybe and then also i do want to say that if you have been struggling with your walk with jesus or you don't know jesus there's never a better time than now to put your faith in christ and follow christ and give it all you've got get really involved in your local church we beat that drum a lot on this podcast Mm -hmm. but yep There's nothing better you can do as a Christian than get involved in the body of Christ and give your talents to the throne of God and let him do with you what he wants and follow him. Absolutely. Very good. Boom. Have a good week. (laughs) Boom. Have a good week. Done.